Well, tonight's a famous story in the Bible. I love the stories of the Bible. You will find that as we go along, that I will have to just pull them out. And do I, I just really love the stories of the Bible. And, and this one is, is one that I really love, the, the woman at the well. It's, um, it's in John chapter 4. Uh, most of you um, have seen it, know it. Um, I thought we'd just kind of start with um, really the fourth verse. I said the fifth verse, I think, in the bulletin it says that. But um, uh, just to kind of get us there, those that would like to or can, if you'd like to stand before we read God's word. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Shekhar, near the plot of ground Jacob, where he'd given it, to, where the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Joseph's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well, gave us the well, and drank from the, it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to come here, keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews claim that the place where, you, where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that the Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Jesus, then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want, or why are you talking with her? Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town and said to the people, Come, see a man who has told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages even now he harvests the crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. 
Many of the Samaritans came from the town, believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, and many more believers, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. So here we have so many things involved. We have the Samaritan woman. This was a Samaritan woman. Now you all know, probably know that um, both things Jesus speaking was, was wrong. She was a woman and she was a Samaritan. The Samaritans were half-breeds. They had intermarried and so they were kind of looked on as not right. Matter of fact, that he went through Samaria was a weird thing. They usually would travel around so they wouldn't have to go through Samaria and deal with those people. They didn't like to deal with those people. And so they just kind of avoided them and would travel much longer distance just to avoid them. Y'all ever walked out of the way to go someplace just because you didn't want to go through something or be there with that? We do those things sometimes. And that's exactly what happened. He, the, the disciples and Jesus were going through there, which is kind of weird anyway, and they had, this has been 450 years of animosity worked together with this. That's how long the, the Jews and Samaritans have been kind of going at it. 450 years. Um, a rabbi or a priest did not talk with women in public. That was not done. That was done because, well, they, you just didn't talk to a woman in public unless her husband was present or, you know, something else. That was part of the thing. So that was one thing. And so to say that the woman was surprised that Jesus talked to her was an understatement. She, she was like, he's talking to me. There's nobody else around. The other issue is, this was around the sixth hour, which is around noonish, Maybe one o'clock, I don't know. It, some, some go seven to six, six to, you know, but sixth hour. Around lunchtime. That's the middle of the day, the heat of the day. The, most of the women came in the morning when it was cooler. She came, obviously, because of her reputation. And she did not want to be seen around there. So she, was, so she thought she was coming to the well to be not noticed. And yet, Jesus notices. That would have also, if he asked for a drink, he would have had to use her utensil, which would have made him ceremonially unclean. That's a big thing for a priest and a rabbi and all those. They don't want to be ceremonial because then they have to go through a ritual of, of cleanliness and go through different things. And so this was, this was just not done. What, everything he did was not done. This was not how it was supposed to go. She was shocked. Anybody else, the disciples, didn't say anything, but they were obviously shocked. They were kind of like, what's he doing? What's he thinking? Has he lost his mind? Y'all ever felt that way? Kind of lost my mind. Kind of do things. We never get her name. Isn't that interesting? This woman at the well is always known as the woman at the well. We know nothing about her name. We just know her background. Um, so she was there at noon. She didn't want to deal with the, all the stuff. She didn't want to look, deal with the looks and the shame and all the things that go along with that. And now, 
all of a sudden, she, this lady with a bad reputation, had a divine appointment that day and didn't know it. This was set up. Jesus, Jesus didn't just go through Samaria because, well, we're going to take the shortcut. He didn't just go through, he had a divine appointment with her. That he was there at the same time she was, was not coincidental. We had to understand our God, remember, is a God of details. He takes care of all these things. So this was no chance meeting. Jesus knew he would talk with her. His disciples were off grocery shopping. They'd gone to town. They were getting all their, their stuff together. And they left Jesus alone to rest. Here again, we see the God-man combination, don't we? He got thirsty. He was a man. We, I, I can't stress enough, so many of us think of Jesus as God, and he didn't have the same kind of desires we have. He didn't have the same kind of stuff we had. He didn't go through the same problems. We had. Yes, he did, which is why he was sent as a baby and not just poof as a grown man. He was sent as a child, so he would grow up, he would go through all the junk we had to go through. He had to go through puberty. He had to go through all the teenage stuff. He had whatever. He had to go through it just like anybody else would. Yet, he didn't sin. She had a need she didn't know about. Jesus had an answer for her, even though she didn't even know she needed it or what to ask. So he is offering her living water. The God side pops out. Living water. He's always looking for ways to make a real difference in somebody's life. He's always looking for ways to make a difference in your life. He offers us living water and we don't get it like she didn't. What is she thinking? She's thinking, oh good, I don't have to draw well anymore, draw from the well anymore. She's thinking of the physical side. She's thinking of all that. And he's saying, no. Obviously, living water is salvation you never tire of it we never tire of our salvation we may get and run we may start running and and just get in a rut and do the same things over and over again but we never tire of knowing that we are saved it satisfies it's not of earth it's from heaven everyone needs it it's a perfect gift and he's offering it we don't know that Jesus ever got his drink of water. Didn't talk about that, did it? He was more concerned with her spiritual needs. He had something else in store. She was concerned about never going back again. She was trying to find out a way to get out of doing this. Because it was a long walk. It was hot and tedious work. It was something that she didn't look forward to every day, but had to do it. That's where they got their water. But then Jesus does what Jesus does best. <laughs> he confronts her with what she's going through. He says, oh, you want that living water? Well, go ask your husband to come. We'll talk about it together. You see, we get things that in the way of our salvation, don't we? We, we let things get in the way. And she had gotten things in the way. And so he says, go get your husband. Oh, I don't have a husband. You got that right, sister. You know? <laughs> you got that right, sister. You ain't got a husband. You've had five. 
And then you're living with a guy, in other words. Now think about that. You've got a guy that can know this, and all of a sudden he confronts you with exactly the way you're living, the thing that you're so ashamed of, the reason you're there at noon instead of in the early morning, the reason you're... Guess what? Smacks her basically upside the head says, Yeah, I know. I know you got no husband. I know what you're up to. Y'all ever like being told what you've done wrong? <laughs> it's kind of embarrassing. Got to caught, caught, is it caught with your hand in the cookie jar, as it were? You know? She kind of got caught with her hand in the cookie jar. She got caught in this, and, and he's going, Yeah, yeah. And so she tried to skirt the truth by just saying, Oh, I don't have a husband. But you see, <laughs> and she also gave as little information as possible because we tried to hide what's going on, don't we? Y'all ever give them the part truth? You know, eh, well, I was there. I didn't tell them I was there. <laughs> or I did this. Well, I didn't tell them I did that. You know, we kind of skirt the truth. And he reveals to her what she is hiding. So then she has to do what, then she does what a lot of us do. She changes the subject. Notice that? We're talking about husbands and all that, and all of a sudden she flips over and goes, well, you all worship this way, and we worship that way. <laughs> she brings in worship wars. You know, I mean, right off the bat, she just takes it off and runs. She just runs with that, trying to get off the subject. Let's change the subject. We don't want to talk about me. You're a prophet, so I have um, a totally unrelated question. You see, judgment... <laughs> She, Jesus didn't really judge her. He just stated a fact. He stated what was going on. He didn't give her judgment. He didn't say, because you're doing that, you're going to hell. He didn't tell her that. What did he say? No, that's not true. Yeah, you're true. You said the right thing, but you, you're wrong. So, so he, she, she says, i got to get out of this situation, so I'm going to change the subject. She changes the subject, and Jesus goes right along. Okay. You want to change the subject? Let's go there. And he brings her back to the salvation issue. This Samaritan woman knows all about the coming Messiah. Think about this. She knew enough Bible. She knew the Messiah was coming. And she understood that. Now they worshipped in a different place and they worshipped in a little bit different ways probably. But even though she's not a Jew, she understood some things. She was not a dummy. She'd gone to Sunday school probably. Right? Yeah, she'd probably been around. She'd seen that. Yeah, I've been there. I've been to Bible school. I know. And so then Jesus does something he doesn't do. Right? He hasn't really even said this. So he's, I'm the one you're talking about. I'm that Messiah. Now, folks, we leave that out. That part of the story is something that a lot of people miss. That all of a sudden he has revealed who he is to who? A Samaritan of all people. He didn't even reveal it to the chief priests and the, and, and, um, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He, didn't reveal it. he revealed it to a Samaritan woman, and not only a Samaritan woman, but a <clears throat> woman with not the best reputation in the world. This woman is getting information that few people understood or would get. Then the disciples show up. 
and they're just kind of going, what is going on here, and, and what, what are we meeting here? And then she leaves her stuff and goes to town. That's another thing. Those water pots were everything for her. They were very valuable to her, and she left them there. Because something else got more important. She left them. This, life, this was part of her livelihood. But the salvation that she all of a sudden understood a little bit better because of who Jesus revealed who he was, decided that those were not near as important as that salvation. And not only that, why did she go to town? She went to town to tell others. She wanted others to know about this salvation she's just receiving. She wanted others to know, look what's going on. I have met this guy, and I think he's the Messiah. We all have water pots in our lives, things we need or we think we depend on, but are unimportant when it comes to when Christ comes into our lives. You see, we all have stuff in our lives that we, ha we need to leave behind sometimes to follow the Savior. All of us do. The disciples want him to eat, but God's spirit had taken over. And even they didn't get it. goes, oh, somebody else must have fed him. Maybe he got a picnic lunch somewhere. What happened here? But you see, the Spirit provides for him and the substance he needs. This woman got up, left. She'd been filling her life up with things that didn't matter. She knew something was missing in her life, and she kept trying to fill it with men, quite frankly. That's why she kept getting remarried. This one didn't meet her needs, so she got another one. And this one didn't meet her needs, so she got another one. This one did, she got another one. And she got tired of getting married, so she decided just to live with the next one just in case. You see, she was trying to fill th her life up with things that didn't matter instead of filling it up with God, with Christ, with the Son of the living God. So many people try to fill their lives up with things that are of little real importance. We do. We find things to fill our lives up, and we find out that all of a sudden they don't really mean anything. We do the same thing with people, with relationships, <laughs> even churches, even jobs. We've all met that person that's jumped church to church to church to church to church. It's really prevalent in Waynesboro. I, I tell you, it's crazy funny to watch because they would go from Rosemont to the Methodist, to First Baptist, to Botsford, to Rosemont, to Methodist, to Baptist. I mean, I had people I could actually name names that I know have been members of all those churches. Why? Because they're searching for something they weren't getting. They thought that the church was going to fill the need and the church wasn't going to fill the need. You see, Christ fills the need. That's the only thing that fills it. We do it with relationships. We do it with our jobs. We do it with all kinds of things. The thing doesn't fill us up. It doesn't, it doesn't meet the need we think it's going to. You know, we're in a throw-it-all-away world, right? Uh, you buy a new TV, what do you, you can't even give away the old TV. Salvation Army doesn't want it. Nobody wants it. You definitely can't take it to goodwill. They don't, they don't even accept TVs anymore. Why? Because th TVs are throwaways. You can buy a new one for 200 bucks. 
or a hundred bucks if you buy a small TV. And Black Friday, probably one for $79.99, right? Well, we're in a throwaway world. If something breaks, it's gone next. I'm that way with cars. If, it's, if something breaks on it, I, I don't get it fixed. I just trade cars. You know, that's the way I am. That's weird. Um, I don't do it as much now that I get one paid for, you know. It's a whole different world, you know, anyway. Um, so, but what I'm saying is we, we, are, we live in a, a, a world that takes a throwaways. And we've, what's so sad is we've also done it with relationships. The divorce rate is not what it is because people decided to stick it out. I was reading something today, I think it was, just talking about on Facebook, you know, you have all these images of people and they, they, they Photoshop them and they, they filter them, make everything look perfect and everything good. And you meet these people online and they're all great. And so if things start going bad with your relationship, look at all these fabulous other relationships I can just grab anytime. And we laugh because... I'm looking around here, most of the couples here have been married 40 forevers, you know, and, you know, that's the way it is. But guess what? In the younger people's world, I can tell you, it goes through. And that's, and Christian folks have found that that's not the answer. And that's why we get married in the church, and that's why we look at things and try to, to put our relationship what God-centered instead of us-centered and when your relationship is God-centered relationship lasts a little longer why is that because you're not focused on every little nitpicky thing well, they didn't do this and why they didn't do that and I didn't take care of me and they didn't. you know it's easy to get caught up in what they didn't do a little bit harder to, when you're looking at Christ and all that he's done to be able to work together and make that relationship happen Jesus told her to quit filling her life with those things and get living water. So she ran to tell the crowd. She went to the town. Can you imagine what that conversation sounded like? You ever thought about, see, I think about weird stuff, and I think about stuff like, here's this lady of ill repute, as it were, one that everybody kind of went, who is she, this wild woman getting married five times, living with a guy. And folks, back in those days, living with a guy was probably even worse than today. Because today it's just kind of, oh well, living with a guy. But then, living with a guy, you know, look down on her. So this, she comes walking up saying, I've met Christ. <laughs> I just, I don't know, I just picture looking at her like, right, like Christ would come to you. And he talked to you. Yeah, um, what are you, what are you been drinking down by that well? You know? Yeah, you may be there for water, but there is something else going on. You know, I can see the town going this. However, she must have been convincing because she talked him into coming. She talked him into coming down there and meet this guy. So Jesus is telling his disciples about all of this. And he's talking about then what? He talks about the fields are white in the harvest. Now I want you to imagine this. This lady has talked to the town. Those days, people wore pretty much white kind of robes or off-white robes, that kind of color. And the town is starting to come toward them. Jesus is talking about the fields are white to harvest as all these white robes are coming down the hill. 
Can you imagine what that, what an object lesson that all, all of a sudden was? He's telling them, look, the fields are ripe to harvest. Four months was to the physical crop to harvest, but they were getting ready to reap a tremendous harvest. Right then and there, the people came, and what does it say? Many came to know him because of the woman's testimony. That woman, who we don't know the name of, but we know her reputation was not good, yet because of what she said, they came and heard, and then they met Jesus, and they became believers. So much so they urged him to stay two more days in Samaria. Now, folks, that was no small feat. You could hear the disciples now. Jesus, I know they want us to stay, but you know where we are, right? You know this isn't the right side of the tracks, right? You know we're in, in, in a place that we're not really welcome, right? You, you understand we ain't even supposed to be here. We should have walked around this place. We should not be in a... I could hear the disciples telling him, what's going on, Jesus? What are you thinking? <laughs> what was he thinking? He was thinking that salvation was needed for that town. And he was telling them that, yeah, it started with the Jews, but now it's moving on. It's more than just for the Jews. It's for everyone, even those Samaritans. Can you believe he would care about them half-breeds? And that's exactly what they were. That's exactly how the Jewish people felt about them. But that's not how Jesus feels. Because quite frankly, folks, we're all half-breeds. You know? Or, or more, than one, more than half. We might be a ten times breeds. You know, we're, we're a conglomeration of all kinds of things, aren't we? We really are. Yet he loves us and cares for us. And they said, we don't believe because what you said we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. See, we don't have to believe just because somebody said so. We've heard what Jesus has said. We've read what he has said. We know, we've experienced who he is in our lives. And all of a sudden, we can become like him. We get to have eternal life like him. We can be saved by him. Why? Because he loves us no matter where we came from or what we look like or what we do. This Samaritan woman, <laughs> she was a piece of work. She really was. And when you think about it, <laughs> she was the least likely person that Jesus should have been talking to. Yet, that's exactly who he reaches out to. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, all those religious folks didn't get it. They wouldn't listen to him when he talked to them. They had their own agenda. But Jesus' agenda is to seek to save those that are lost. And this woman was lost. She was literally lost. What a God we serve. What a Savior we have. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we thank you that you love us even though we are surely unworthy. We thank you for your presence your love, 
your grace and mercy. Have mercy on us as sinners. Fill our lives with your love and your living water so that we'll know that salvation is near and that we can tell others that they too can have that salvation. Lord, we love you and we praise you. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.